Hello and welcome to the Can You Hear Me podcast. I'm Preet and I am with Parv. Hi everyone. I uh, like how I just said hi everyone. Everyone is listening. Everyone in the world is listening right now. Is that what you that's what you think? <laughs> so what we're gonna be doing today is talking uh giving our thoughts on Esther Perel's Where Should We Begin podcast. Esther Perel is a psychotherapist who um, runs a podcast in which she we listen to real life counseling sessions of hers with couples um, and we're going to be discussing the key themes from each episode this episode is episode six of season two titled you can be right or you can be married that's correct that's correct baby so before we begin Pav, i want you to just talk to the millions and millions of people listening about why you love esther so much did I also just at one point tell you that she was like God to me? You did say, she, yeah, she's my God. You found her at some point in your 20s when you were lost and and uh, now you found <laughs> That's everything. That's true, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Esther Perel is a psychotherapist, like Priest just said, and she explores topics of love, sex, intimacy, infidelity, Um. And I don't exactly remember when I came across Esther Perel, but it was definitely a YouTube video mm. and it was definitely recommended to me. Love that. You've seen the social the social <laughs> dilemma taught us what recommendations would do to people. Babe. Yeah. And I remember listening to her and thinking how relevant and valid most of her points were, which is at that time that I introduced her to you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, Would you say you... Have you ever... S- heard that perspective before from anyone really like in terms of thinking about relationships in those terms because I I have to say I haven't but I'm a guy so most of the stuff I watch is like people beating each other up and all like kicking a ball into an empty net so yeah so I think that's what um caught my attention because it was not something that I've listened to growing up um and the things that she would talk about, often taboo topics, were also said in a way that made it, that normalized it in a certain way. And also, she treated human beings like they were meant to be. Just these are emotions that everyone goes through and experiences, and she brings them to life and, and says that it's okay that you feel a certain way. And I love that about her. You don't have to hide a certain feeling just because you think it's wrong or right. And it just felt really empowering listening to her. Yeah, definitely. I think there's, I would say there's definitely a spiritual underlying themes in what she says, although she never really goes into anything specifically spiritual. Yeah. I get that sense that she believes in that kind of stuff, the kind of metaphysical beyond just you know the material yeah it's interesting you say that because i think i because i know so much about (laughs) i I think she said sometimes when she's struggling to think about why people behave the way they behave she opens up like a philosophical book and goes back to saying oh what would he've thought about this and then brings that into light of how humans behave wwpd what would plato do (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) uh no, I yeah, I, I so obviously you introduced me to, to Esther as well. I really, really appreciate her views on things. The most thing I appreciate the most, I think, is that it's never really about a man or a woman. So she doesn't really layer that gender element into it. It's just more about two people and the interrelations between them. 
So, you know, that whole patriarchal external lens, she doesn't really um, let influence the way she judges the dynamics and, and ultimately offers counsel. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Um, this episode, episode six of season two, was an interesting one. Um, first, I'm just going to give a bit of a synopsis on the episode. So we have a couple who are on a bit of an off-again, on-again relationship. I think at the at the point in which this session takes place, they are seeing other people, but they have two children together, and they're trying to reestablish this relationship, I would say, for themselves, but also for those children, I would imagine. Um, the man in question has a child with another partner who he's who he was previously estranged with for for some time, but now is reconnecting with. Um, and yeah, I think we can we can just jump straight into the themes that we wanted to discuss, babe. The first one I think is really around how childhood trauma impacts adult relationships. I agree, but before we go in, I think there's a disclaimer to say that we are not experts in the field and our opinions here are based on listening to these um, episodes and also we're humans so we have experiences and if we don't if we haven't experienced them we know friends or family who have been through these things and it's just using that to relate and talk about our opinions yeah I think that's really important to say and in particular on this theme of childhood trauma you know I wouldn't say I've experienced any particular childhood trauma, but you can still make those connections, right? In terms of things from your childhood events, just the nature of your upbringing, how that um, shapes you as a person and then ultimately impacts your your relationship with people in general, but specifically partners. Um, yeah, so if it wasn't trauma, then it was a good experience. You can see how that then exactly. influences you hmm. now in your 20s. Exactly. So in this case, um, the reason why I thought this was a theme to explore in, you know, based on this episode, that in, in this instance, this man um, clearly had a childhood that you was quite isolated. And um, I think you could see it then manifest into his adult relationships in terms of uh, a challenge in, in in intimacy and staying with one partner. He's had yeah. a few partners, and and also then his relationship with his own daughter, which then kind of mirrored his own childhood in terms of moving around and being quite isolated. Yeah, but also preferring to stay in that isolation. It's just a preferred way of living. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great point. So that's almost his default state. Um, there's clearly a recognition that he wants a partner you know he's had partners and he's going into therapy to to, to work on this so he has that awareness um, but there's still that challenge of breaking that sort of default state which which I think comes from childhood and I think that's what I wanted to explore today um, was just almost how entrenched those things are from childhood it's i think one of the things that i always think about is sometimes it's almost even difficult to distinguish when you know you've grown up your whole life and things happen really early in childhood and that just becomes what life is to you you know you have no other reference points you only have one perspective 
Um, and so, for example, in this case where uh, you may have not had the ideal family situation and you may not have had um, really strong bonds with parents that are typically the kind of your formative bonds that you have with anyone that establish love and trust and uh, yeah th- those kind of key things that re- that, re- that you're requ- required in a good relationship then um, you don't know what those are so it's difficult to then have partners in adulthood and establish those those kind of key dynamics with them yeah I agree I mean he because I think this individual in the scenario he said that he's he seems to associate closeness with cutoff which is interesting because not many people would do that but then there are you know makes you question why you would associate that but you can see when you're a child and if you were abandoned and then there's that element of being close but then there's also that person not coming back for a long time you then either avoid getting super close because why get close and then get hurt because you are going to get cut off in the future so you become really avoidant or you might even become super anxious Mm -hmm. as a child and then that just manifests into adulthood where you then associate closeness with anxiety where you get too close and then you're super anxious that that person might leave and so there's that element of either being super avoidant or becoming really anxious and we can see those themes coming through from the conversations with this individual as well yeah yeah and i do think um it's really positive that um he is trying to establish um you know good relationships at in at this age and i think i almost think it's almost impossible or at least really really difficult to um work through that kind of trauma or any any challenges from childhood that affect your mental state without some sort of external um point of view something like therapy with with someone like that or um, at least some sort of introspection because um, otherwise you just you just end up you know in your same in your same point of view in your same state over time so there is I I think there is there is hope uh, for for everyone really not just not just the guy in question here I think there's also danger of like being comfortable with that because you know no other way of dealing with it so this is all you know and you're comfortable with that closeness cut off because that's all you've known and you associate that with love sometimes too Mm -hmm. and you can see it with the woman um where she she said she thrives in that high intensive like bursts of intimacy followed by cut off and that's she she's she likes that um, which I think she then recognizes is not unhealthy for her, which is unhealthy for her, sorry. Mm. <laughs> Super not. <healthy. laughs> um, and it's 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 then coming to Esther for a safe place to have these conversations and be vulnerable, mm. which then I think is an, was another thing that I noticed, babe, was how they struggle to be vulnerable with mm. each other as well. Mm. And, you know, it's so important to be vulnerable in a relationship. Mm. So vulnerable, almost just the acknowledgement that, um, from 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 the man's perspective here, you could say, I struggle to build connections with people, and I struggle to accept that love 
Is that almost the level of vulnerability that's required to just acknowledge that in the first instance? I think so. I think his vulnerability is also admitting, it may be, I don't know, but it could be that to be vulnerable and to admit that I really need you or want you, but I'm afraid that there's going to be cut off. And so I'm just not going to say anything because Mm. I don't want to be vulnerable and say anything because you might leave me. Also, when you have these fears, I think often you don't want to be vulnerable to a person when you have these deeply rooted fears from childhood. Yeah, and I think that's that's really important and actually so why this exercise is so difficult but also so critical, you know, this type of therapy is that it is it does seem so deep seated and that's you know, that's the nature of childhood trauma or child anything that hap- that occurs in childhood i think during the therapy session you do get the sense that there is resistance from from the man um you know there is some there's there's kind of surface level acknowledgement that there's a problem but i think esther's what he she was trying to do was sort of dig to that le- level a little bit deeper um to get beyond the sort of surface level arguments between the two to understand what's really driving that and i think that's where she was hitting a bit of a wall um with some of some of the conversations and and you know those things you would imagine take uh, you know so many so many conversations to even get to that point in which you can then um just at least even just that so that understanding or that acknowledgement that i am this way because of something that occurred in the past and actually it's not really even wasn't even really my fault it was just circumstance made me who i am yeah and then saying and now what i need is to be loved or i want to be wanted and that's fine you know i'm it's okay sometimes to want that yeah yeah because imagine um it's really difficult for me to even conceptualize this but imagine putting up that wall in your mind really early on in your life that i that love is there's some negative things that are associated with love or connection i think yeah i think you're right vulnerability is really key to the to addressing these this this kind of childhood these kind of childhood things um another aspect of this which is i think very much childhood related that you wanted to talk about pa was the fear of abandonment yes so i think listening to the the episode a big fear that was existing or looming was that fear of being abandoned which you know particularly you could sense from listening to the woman um she wouldn't admit it which is what i think esther was trying to get her to admit saying if i say something to you about you being in a relationship with another woman is not out of anger, but it's out of fear of you leaving me. And that fear essentially is that fear of being abandoned. Um, And so it just ties back into recognizing that some of these fears are deeply rooted in childhood and to bring it to surface and say, I'm actually afraid you will leave me, is there's an element of vulnerability that's um, needed for that. Yeah, so that is you I mean that's you have to be super super vulnerable to admit something like that. Um 
Or even recognize that, I suppose. Yeah, because no one, no one on the surface wants to think like that. You know, you all want, you want everyone wants to think they can handle life on their own, don't need anyone necessarily. I think that maybe that's also a cultural thing that we've uh, developed. It's very individualistic um, view on life, um, and I think there's that 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 causes challenges in trying to establish trusting and long-term relationships so definitely agree um another topic we wanted to talk about and actually this is one of mine from my list was around um this whole theme of women wanting to fix quote-unquote broken men so um i think the woman in, in this episode is even um admits it herself when she first met the man she sort of very immediately knew that she wanted to marry him and also acknowledged that he was sort of down on his luck at the time and um kind of think of it as a project almost and i find i find this difficult to to kind of wrap my head around sometimes so i wanted to get your perspective on it Pav, because as a guy i don't, I don't think this is really something a perspective that guys think i don't think guys look around and look for women who are really like down on their luck and want to like quote unquote save them um but i feel like this is something i mean we we hear about it a lot from more the women's woman's perspective you know either either looking for the troubled guy quote unquote bad guy um turn them to a good guy whatever it may be and so i think so i i'd like to see if there are you know men out there who also try and fix other people so let's take a take out gender from the equation and think about why people are trying to look out for people who they need to fix and when you think about that I think it's because if I have that project to fix someone else I feel like I'm deriving my worth from fixing you so my self-worth is then associated with like making you the good guy and also I think interestingly it's because you want to prove that you are the person who's actually fixed you and so you are different and therefore you're better than someone else who's you know tried but couldn't or failed um and interestingly i also think this is something that comes from childhood i think um when you're a child and say you had you know a parent who you were nursing for instance you you associated trying to be with them and then receiving their love in return. So you, you associate fixing them with love. And you think, ah, so if I fixed my mom or dad who's actually, you know, in need, I felt loved. And so when you grow up and then you look at this broken man who needs fixing, you think, oh, by fixing him, I'm going to get love. And I feel loved. So your self-worth and your idea of love comes from there, I think. That's really interesting. Um and what what would you say are some of the potential challenges with that dynamic? Because I think one of the key ones is um, exactly as you say, deriving your self worth from any anything else that's external to you ultimately is going to be an issue because you then you know that person's well being you kind of have a you got the wrong dynamic in relation to it so you don't want them to be to be better just for the sake of themselves you want them to be better so you prove something to yourself and and define your self-worth accordingly so then 
consequently when they're not living up to whatever standards that you're trying to set for them you feel like you are you are failing yourself too when ultimately we should all be just accountable for ourselves and the relationship should be growing together growing individually together and supporting each other in doing that yeah that's i think partly it's also like you say it's not truly out of love is it because what you really want at the end of the day is it really to fix this man because you want him to be a better person maybe but is it also because it's going to make you feel better in return yeah for sure and so that that's you know when you start going down that path it's it's important to you know recognize those little red flags i think um to you know feels like you're fixing someone to derive that self worth from you know or external mm. validation from someone else which mm. really should come from within yeah i agree so it's not it's not wholly altruistic but you can see how it would easily occur i mean it's a noble in a way it's a noble um uh kind of ambition you know to you know i can help someone you know really develop their own um sense of self and you know build build them up but it, it's but the tricky. other person's not going to be fixed are they i mean they'd really need to fix themselves uh, that's 100 percent true right. that's the only way anyone that project is to fail you're setting yourself up to failure any any parent could probably tell you anytime you try and uh you know you know and there's probably a this is a real problem with parenthood as well i guess it's you know you probably derive a lot of yourself with from, from the success and with the deemed you know what what success for a child mm-hmm. as opposed to letting them be and and they're gonna have to figure it out on their own it's the only way it ever works you can take them to the one yard line but they need to score the touchdown this is a american football reference for all our NFL fans out there. For um, millions. <laughs> okay, so those were really the key themes we wanted to discuss. Um, anything else you think worth touching on? Anything we may have missed? No, I think I think these were some of the key themes. Okay, well, thank you all for listening. This was the first debut episode of Can You Hear Me? a podcast by Preet and Pav. And we'll be back with another review of an Esther Perel uh, couples therapy session soon. So thank you and goodbye. Thanks, everyone.